Good morning. Look nice. Most of you. And um, nice to see you all. Nice to be here. One word. Heaven will prevail. I'm going to ask them to put that last, that one word slide up, and then the other one, the heaven will prevail slide, in a second, if you do that first one, yeah. Heaven will, no, the other one, one word, and then we'll go to heaven will prevail. There it is. There it is, friends. It's amazing how the Lord organizes these services. Pastor Keith is not here, obviously. Um, and uh, you got me. And uh, next couple hours should be good. Yeah. You heard about that company that makes yardsticks? They're not making them any longer. Anyway, um, so, and some of you are looking at each other going, what? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, the guy, the guy who, um, the guy who makes, who made the merry-go-round, the guy who invented the merry-go-round, he doesn't know the guy who made the Ferris wheel. They don't travel in the same circles. Uh, so, now some people over here are getting the jokes. The rest of them appears. So this must be uh, very good. Um, so it's so uh, so nice to be here. One word. So when my son was. Um, he was in his uh, late teens, or he was a musician, um, and still is a musician. I asked him one time, and, you know, son, what do you want to do when you grow up? He said, I, I want to grow up and play the guitar. I said, you can't do both. Anyway, um, so he, uh, he, he, he's, I think, you know, by his own admission, he, you know, he's, he's a Good guitarist and everything, but he's probably not the greatest singer in the world. I think he, I think he'd agree with that. Although, don't send them to, you know, don't reference this on Facebook and send it to him or something. But, um, and so he did this. Uh, ever hear this kind of this genre of music? Uh, up to eleven people like it. Um, it's called uh, emo screamo. Ever hear of emo screamo? Anybody hear of emo screamo? Well, see. You're obviously a very, very sophisticated audience, very cultured. You've never heard of Emo Screamo. And as its name implies, it is emotional and, and it's, it screams. Now, my son is, was and is a believer, and he's actually a pastor. Um, uh, but in his teenage years, he, he was a believer and red hot for Jesus and everything. But he, he formed an Emo Screamo band. And... He actually did albums and things. The music is horrible. It's absolutely... If you want a vision of what hell is like, <laughs> if you want to talk to somebody and say, you don't want to go to hell, here's a CD to listen to to convince you. In fact, I used to, when I traveled, I used to have a table and sold a lot of my product. On the table, I had some of his CDs, and I mentioned, you know, his CDs, and then these little old ladies who would come up and say, oh, we just want to, we just, you know, just want to support your son. We'd like to buy the, I'd say, listen, lady, you do not want this music. <laughs> I mean, 
I'm losing money, but listen, I value your friendship, I value your life, I don't want you to take the big one, your pacemaker's going to go wacky, you do not want to listen to this music, I'm just telling you. And this one lady, she was insistent, no, no, I think I do. I said, no, no, I think you don't. No, no, I think I do. No, no, I th- Look, lady, get away from my table, back off. <laughs> trying to save your life here. So he had this emo screamo band. Well, go back quite a few years when my son was seven years old. We moved to the island nation of Grenada in the West Indies. And uh, just above Trinidad and Tobago. And uh, we moved there. And on June 15th, which was our first day there, um, Nathan and I were there first before uh, his... I have three children, one of each. And uh, so... um, so, they're all, they're all boys except for two. Anyway, so um, they, uh, um, we were there first, and we met this young man by the name of Kelvin, K-E-L-V-I-N, and his, uh, this was his 16th birthday on June 15th, and that was our first day there of our time that we were going to spend in Grenada. And uh, eventually we left Grenada, but eventually Kelvin came, and lived in the United States, and still does, and has a family, etc. And we considered him a part of our family. He lived with us when we lived in Grenada, and then he came to the United States and lived with us until he got, he, he, he got married. And so we considered him a part of our family, and considered him to be, you know, and the children considered him to be a sibling. Now, as you might expect, he was not Caucasian. He was African. Um, I guess now he's African-American. And uh, so... He is interviewing this, he's, Calvin became a very successful youth pastor, had up to, he had around 400 in his youth group. He was interviewing these youth interns who were going to be with him for the summer. And so he's talking to this one intern, and this potential intern, he's interviewing him, and he's saying, well, how did you get to this point where you wanted to be an intern? How did you get to the point where you've gone to Bible college now, and now you want to be an intern? And so the young man says, well, um, I was in my youth group, and uh, one night, uh, he says, I was totally away from God. I didn't care about God. I just went because my parents didn't want me to go to youth groups. I went, but, um, you know, know, and he listed all the things he was doing, you know, jaywalking and all, you know, all this terrible stuff. And so he was doing all this stuff and, and, and it was, you know, it was terrible. He, he lived a terribly away from God life. I'm sure it was very difficult on his family. He said, but one night at youth group, this band came and the band was horrible. He's, my friend is telling, uh, this young man was telling my Kelvin, whom we considered to be a part of our family. He said, this band was just absolutely horrible. It was awful. The worst music you've ever heard in your life. He's telling this to Kelvin. And he said, but in the middle of their, whatever it is they were doing, the guy who's the lead, he said, you wouldn't even call it singing, whatever he's doing. He stops, and he points me out in the youth group. 
And he said, you've been running from God. You've been far from him. You are involved in junk you shouldn't even know about, let alone be involved in, and just read his mail, went right down and read his mail. And he said, from this night on, your life is going to change. The Spirit of God says to you, and he just went boom, 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 boom. And he said, that night, I, I, I got right with God. Had to endure half the other half of the concert, but I got right with God. <laughs> and... He said, I got right with God, and that night I decided to go to Bible college, and my life totally changed that night. And so Kelvin was wondering who the band was and who this person was. And this guy says, his name is Nathan Jowdry, that would be my son, and he was part of this band called Ottoman December, which is what the name of the band was. And Kelvin jumped up from his chair and said, that's my brother. And the guy looked at Kelvin and said, he can't be your brother. <laughs> One word from you. Things change on your authority. Your word is true. Things change on your authority. And go to that next slide that we were talking about, heaven prevailing. Heaven will prevail. Strongholds will be moved. Spirits will be silent and cower at Jesus' rule. That's what happened to that young man that night. It's interesting whom God would use. This teenager with an emo screamo band, the worst music you've ever heard in your life. God used him to bring a word to a rebellious young man and it changed his life. Today I want to talk to you about you have a word. You have a word. Of course we're concerned for pastor and we want God to touch him and we just speak life and blessing in pastor. Thank God for the worship team this morning and uh, they minister here and God uses them. And You know, it's, it seems like when you come to church, everything seems so easy that you wonder, you know, this doesn't happen by accident. It happens because a lot of people put a lot of work into it. And the easier it looks, the harder it is. So we commend the worship team and all those who work in audio and video and all that. Thank you very, very much. Thank you, Pastor for your leadership. Thank you, Pastor, for your leadership. Thank you. And of course, last month was Pastor Appreciation Month usually. So we want to just allow this wonderful egalitarian Spirit of God to come and permeate us. Can you just put your hands kind of in what I call the receiving position and just invite Him, come. Come, Holy Spirit. Come. Come, Holy Spirit. Come. We welcome you. Thank you, Father. Welcome, Holy Spirit, all over this room. Speak to us. In the name of Jesus. We live in this divided society. Everything is political. Food you eat is political. Ah, is it vegan? Is it GMO? Sports. 
political. Um, obviously, politics is political. Healthcare is political. Everything is political. And everything is divisive. And I want to encourage us to be who we are. Blessers, not cursers. We are people who bless. We're not people who curse. You, you, you need to... Some of you need to get off of Facebook. Stop giving us your political opinions. There's nothing new or original about them. Facebook is to say happy birthday to your grandmother. That's what Facebook's for, okay? It's not to get on there and demean other people, pull people down. Then at the end of your rather incendiary posting, write God bless. In fact, it would be really good if you didn't bring God into it after some of the stuff you write. We're blessers. We speak words that build people up and bless them. The prayer of St. Francis, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is discord, union. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. Think about that. Just put that over your, type that up and put it on your computer somewhere where you see that every time you go to post something. Oh, divine master, he goes on to say, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. You see, it seems like St. Francis was saying, I'm not to be a net receiver of stuff, I'm to be a net giver of stuff. I'm to be a blesser, not always wanting to be blessed. I have received in my life many words through people that have come from God, and I thank him for it. But at this point in my life, I'm more, I'm more interested in not receiving a word as so much as I am in being a conduit from God to others who gives a word. It may be to a flight attendant, or it may be to a, a clerk at a store, or it may be to somebody in traffic. It may be to, a, to, to my spouse or to my children. It may be to anyone of a variety of, of, of individuals who upon whom I come across, hey, I am interested in being a conduit of a word from God. You, too, have a word. It seems like everybody is desiring to receive a word. Everybody wants something from someone else. If you were to say, hey, there's going to be a, a prophetic voice at your church. Everybody be there, and they'd have their pads out. Maybe I'm going to get a word today. I'm going to find out. I'm going to, I'm going to meet somebody. Finally. Don't forget you're still married. <laughs> the guy next to you. Maybe God's going to give me some word. 
And, I, and, and listen, friends, that's happened to me, and I don't discount it, and I don't take away from it, and the Lord sometimes uses me in those areas, but I'm here to tell you I'd rather give a word than get a word because I want to be a conduit of the blessing of God in a crooked and depraved generation that's so far from him, in a crooked and depraved generation that has shunned him and spurned him. They need a divine encounter with a living God, and many times that comes by a word from somebody who is filled with Holy Spirit, who knows what it is to tap into the, to the word of God, my sheep. The scripture says, hear my voice and they know me. The voice of a stranger they will not follow. I'm not so concerned about people who are always hearing from God. Oh, that person there, they always hear from God. That, you know, they're always hearing from God. I'm not so concerned about people who are always hearing from God. I'm concerned about people who never hear from God. And sometimes there are even believers who never hear the voice of the Spirit of God. Listen to me. We serve a speaking God. He speaks. And we are his children, and we ought to hear his voice. You, you notice when there's some candidate for an elected office, how the media will treat them if they're a believer, and they, they, they say, well, the Lord spoke to me, or the Lord you know, said something to me. Well, the media will just tear them apart, won't they? And just leave them shredded. Why? Because they think they hear from God. Uh, they must be really out there. No, actually, they're really in there with God. Because God speaks. He's a speaking God. You have a word, it's from God, it's for God, and it's to others. It's from God in that he is the one who initiates the word. It is for God in that he gets all the glory for it, and it is to others so that they can receive and hear the voice of the Spirit of God speaking to them. I just gave you an example of the Lord using... My son, in ministering to another young man, and the other young man changes the course and the direction of his life. When we first came to America 28 years ago, and it'll be, I believe, 29 years, yeah, it'll be 29 years next February. And we first came here after just a few months, we were living in the city of Miami. My wife got terribly ill, very ill and just continued to decline and decline and decline. And she is a small person, and she was losing weight. Uh, and the weight she was losing, God graciously put on me to hold for her. It was, it was wonderful. And, um, and so it was just getting not very good. I had to change my whole schedule and and be there early in the morning for the children and all of that to be, take care of them because she was getting her best sleeps between about 4 o'clock in the morning and 9 o'clock in the morning. And, and sometimes, it, you know, just the slightest sound would wake her. It was just not a good thing. And no one seemed to know what was wrong with her and there weren't tests. And it turned out to what we now know to be what they now they used to call chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia and all that kind of stuff. And, and sort of like as a result of some exposure to chemicals. And um, so... Uh, she just was really, really suffering. And she at that time was a children's pastor. And the church was so good to her. And so they just said, listen, you just come to staff meeting once a week. You take care of things at home. And, um, and, then, and just be here on Sunday and you know, we'll just call it a day. And so that's what happened. And that's, what, that's how she lived her life. But I tell you, she just, I mean, everything was wrong. I mean, everything. 
I mean, I, I mean, I didn't. By the grace of God, I didn't say this. I, I, I didn't. I, I, I promise I didn't. But there were times after she would tell me all the things that were wrong with her, I, I would look at her, and in my mind, I would go, "Do your teeth itch? I mean, everything is wrong. Is your hair sore? I mean, you know, it, it was just everything was just off. You know, it was awful. And I remember one day she went to church for the staff meeting. And one of the pastors, it was a, it was a large church, we were running about 1,500 at the time, and, and, and was, one of the pastors got her and, and got her and, and just looked at her straight in the eye and said, Sister, he was from Bolivia, Sister, God is going to heal you. And I remember her coming home, and she was so happy to be, tell me that she had received this word from the Lord that God was going to heal her. It didn't seem to get any better. In fact, in the next several months, it, it just kind of went along. It just same. In fact, while she was at, and it's interesting how the Lord can use people, while she was going to the doctor one day, a physician friend of ours had taken her case, and, and while she was at the doctor one day, she in walked another lady from our church who lived in the same neighborhood as us, and we knew her, and she was suffering from cancer. And my wife was sitting there and tears were on her, you know, she was just in a lot of pain and, she, you know, getting to the, even getting to the doctor was an ordeal. And, and so my wife was sitting there and she sees this other lady come in from the, uh, from the church and she realizes who she is and realizes she's suffering from cancer. She's a little bit older than we were. And so she gets up from her chair, my wife does, gets up from her chair, goes over and greets this other lady. Immediately her, my wife's tears dry up. She just, she gets into a different zone. And she starts ministering faith and touching and ministering the touch of God to this lady and asking God to heal and touch this lady. They ended the prayer. They greet one another. My wife goes and sits down. Immediately all the symptoms and everything else just kind of come back. Tears stream down her face and she goes in and sees the doctor. Meanwhile, and I'm not saying it's because of my wife's prayer, but I would would just say the Lord uses people in a variety of ways. That lady did recover from cancer, for which we thank the Lord. But then my wife kind of goes about, but nothing changed. But you know, about six, eight, ten months later, we noticed, hey, she's sleeping better. Hey, she's, she's getting stronger. Hey, when she whoops the kids, they're, they're feeling it now. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, we, you're not allowed to say that, I'm sorry. Is in a different state, and the statue of limitations is off. Okay, yeah, yeah. And 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 it was it was just so interesting as God began that gradual process of healing her. And I remember the days when we began to say something's happening here. God was fulfilling the word that was spoken to her by the Bolivian pastor at the staff meeting months and months. Ago earlier, and then as the years went by, I tell you today, my wife has more energy than I do. She just loves to keep going and keep moving. She wakes up with a plan for her life and mine. And I tell you, it is just amazing. And we look back and we say, the word of God came. It brought hope to my wife. One word changes everything. And it came with authority. And she began to lean on that word. And say, God said, God said, God said. And he touched my family and touched my wife. 
you have a word too for somebody. It's from God, it's for God, and it's to others. Now, there are three individuals in the New Testament who speak about Holy Spirit. And I don't want to be too wonky, but I do want to just give you a theological, little bit of theological background. Number one, there is the Apostle John. The Apostle John speaks about the eminence of Holy Spirit. That is, he's everywhere present and nowhere absent. He's going to be with you always, Jesus says. When he comes, he'll, he'll, never, he'll never leave you. He's always going to be with you, and, and he's going to be eminent in that you could be in one spot, and somebody else could be another spot, and somebody else can be another spot, and he's going to be with you, making my presence real. The presence of Jesus will be real. Jesus is saying to them, my presence will be with you no matter where you are and how many there are of you and no matter how many locations. So today in China, in Bolivia, in Ukraine, in Botswana, in the United States, in Argentina, all over the world, the presence of God is real, making Jesus real right now to so many people at the same time. That's what John was talking about. You have the apostle Paul. He writes about Holy Spirit. And he writes about the administration of Holy Spirit gifts. In other words, he's saying, hey, the church has been gifted with gifts from Holy Spirit, but he, here's how these gifts are to operate. Here's how these gifts are to, to be uh, expressed. And you read about it in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, which is the love chapter, but it's all about Holy Spirit gifts, and 14. And so you read about how Paul said the gifts of the Spirit are to be in operation. You also read about it in Ephesians chapter 4. You read about it in Romans chapter 12. You can read about it. But then there's another New Testament writer. His name is Luke, and he writes, and very interestingly, just Kind of parenthetically, I would say, most people would say Paul wrote most of the New Testament, when in fact, actually, Luke wrote more words in the New Testament than Paul did. Even though Luke only has two books, the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts. Luke writes not about the administration of Holy, Holy Spirit gifts, nor does he write about the eminence of Holy Spirit, but rather Luke writes about the baptism of Holy Spirit. How Holy Spirit comes and immerses you in himself. It's like, it's as if the Holy Spirit were to say, I'm the swimming pool, jump into the deep end, immerse yourself in me. And Holy Spirit comes and immerses you with himself. And that's what Luke writes about. He doesn't mention, by the way, the, 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 the swimming pool. He doesn't mention that. Or the deep end. But he does say, in Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated. It came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with Holy Spirit. And what happened? They what? This is encouraging. Come on, lift up your voice. What did they do? Spoke in tongues. They spoke. You see, to Luke, and I'm going to give you several examples, but to Luke, when Holy Spirit came upon a group of people or an individual, they did one thing. They spoke. Now, we refer to 
Holy Spirit is this wonderful egalitarian spirit, and we also sometimes will say, well, the Holy Spirit was poured out in the New Testament, and we think of it as a New Testament thing, where we can point out to you dozens of examples in the Old Testament where Holy Spirit was similarly poured out. Having said that, it seems like the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament was episodic. That is to say, there was episodes where he poured himself out, but for the most part, it didn't have the widespread appeal, whereas in the New Testament, it's for the children and the children's children, and to all who are afar off, as to as many as the Lord God would call, Acts 2 and 38. And so it's for everybody, and that's why we say it's this wonderful proletariat, egalitarian spirit that the Spirit of God has poured out on all of us. Well, let's talk about it. Mary, moved upon by, uh, visited by an angel, moved upon by Holy Spirit, conceives Jesus. And the scripture says in Luke chapter 1, verse 39, Mary gets ready and she hurries to the hill country of Judea where she enters Zechariah. Well, who's Zechariah? Zechariah was married to a lady by the name of Liz, Elizabeth. He called her Lizzie. She didn't always like that, especially in front of the relatives. I'm adding a little bit here for, you know, poetic preacher license. And um, so he's married, Zechariah. So she, every time, by the way, he called her Lizzie, she goes, okay, Zachy. And he didn't like that. That's, that ended that right there. So Zechariah is John the Baptist's father. Elizabeth is John the Baptist's mother. Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, and the baby that was in Elizabeth's womb, who was John the Baptist, was in Elizabeth's womb, and they were elderly people, and it was you know, impossible for them to conceive. So here's one, another one of these miraculous births, miraculous conceptions, miraculous births. And, and so the baby is in Elizabeth's womb, and what happens to the baby when Mary walks in and greets her? The scripture says that the baby leapt in Mary's womb. And the scripture says, simultaneously to the baby leaping in Mary's womb, Elizabeth was filled with Holy Spirit. And what did she do? She exclaimed. She spoke. Blessed are you among women, she says to Mary, and blessed is the child that you will bear. Elizabeth, with a child in her womb... The child leaps at the sight of Mary, who's going to mother Jesus, her cousin, Jesus' cousin. John the Baptist and Jesus were cousins. The baby leaps in her womb, and, and Elizabeth is Holy Spirit filled. And what does she do? She what? Speaks. Words come out of her mouth. You read about Zechariah, that is Elizabeth's husband, Zachy. He is, he is the father of John the Baptist, and he is talking about uh, the, John the Baptist, and for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm sorry, it is not, it is not Zachari- Zachariah speaking, it is the angel speaking to Zachariah. For he'll be sight, great in the sight of the Lord, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. So you've got this baby in Elizabeth's womb who the angel says he's going to be filled with Holy Spirit even before he's born, and you know what? I can just imagine the baby. He will bring back many to the people of Israel, to the Lord their God. And I can just imagine the baby, the midwife there, and the baby, and you know, they're you know, trying to do whatever you do, and it's, 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 it's horrific. It really is. It's, this is awful. Why in the world did they start that thing where husbands go in with the baby? I, like, I'm still having nightmares. 
And then after they were born, and then they grew up, I'm you know, sort of like, the nightmares just continue. And, 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 and so you can imagine the midwife. The baby comes out, and she picks the baby up by the ankles, and she slaps him on the, the hind end. And the baby goes, Amen. He's filled with the Holy Spirit even from the time he was born. Amen. Can you imagine? Wouldn't that be something? Midwife, anybody got an interpretation for that word? What about Simeon? Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. It says in Luke chapter 2, verse 25. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was what? On him. And he, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit. Three times now we've, we've referenced Holy Spirit in this brief reading. He went into the temple courts when his parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. Simeon takes Jesus in his arms and praises God saying, what did he do? He spoke. He said, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised. So what did Simeon do when he was Holy Spirit filled, picking up the baby? Words come out of his mouth. He spoke and he prophesied. What about Anna? Oh, by the way, Simeon not only spoke just generally, he actually spoke to the parents of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. And he says, he, this child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel. He spoke over this child. I remember years ago when my son was about nine, eight or probably nine years old, maybe ten years old. He just had a heart for God, just sought the Lord all, all the time. We'd, we'd listen to radio preachers on, on the radio at night when he was supposed to be sleeping and he'd have these radio preachers on and he just, he just had that kind of a heart for the things of God. I mean... And, and then if there was somebody at our church that had, a, had a, you know, any kind of ministry, you know, especially because we had Friday night service, um, he, would, uh, he, he, he would always be you know, wanting to be right there listening to what they were going to say and all that. And, and then if there was an altar call, listen, if, if the altar call was for African-American women who wanted to become pregnant, my son would respond, okay? He, he, just, he, he just would respond to any, any altar call at all. And, 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 and the Lord would give him some wonderful words and give us his wonderful words to us as parents. And, um, and so Anna, she is probably married at the time. She's 15 or 16 years old. She has a husband for seven years, and then the husband dies. She's now, is it 84 years old? I believe she is. And yes, she's 84, and she is still in the, in the temple. She spent all of those decades as a widow after her husband dies. So from the time she's, what, 22 years old probably, now she's 84, 62 years. She spends fasting and praying in the temple. Filled with Holy Spirit, she never left the temple, it says, day and night, fasting and praying. Coming up to them, that is Mary and Joseph, at the very moment they brought the baby to the temple, she gave thanks to God. What did she do? Words come out of her mouth. And she spoke about the child to all. She, she gives thanks to God. She speaks to everybody else. Words come out of her mouth. 
Peter on the day of Pentecost, again, written by Luke in Acts chapter 2. He says, the scripture says, Then Peter stood up with the eleven. He raised his voice and he addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain to you what is happening. Let me listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what the prophet was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit. People will get baptized in Holy Spirit in the last days I will pour out my spirit and what will happen to those people they will what they will prophesy they will speak when Holy Spirit comes upon people according to Luke they have one thing in common words come out of their mouth and I say Holy Spirit people people of God Holy Spirit people in in community worship center let me encourage you hear the voice of the Spirit of God today if you are Holy Spirit baptized. Words will come out of your mouth. It will not be cursing. It will not be the kind of words that drag others down. No, it'll be the word of God speaking forth to others the goodness and the glories and the greatness of our God. That's what happens when Holy Spirit people are filled. And this is what the scripture says. No, this is what was uh, spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all people, your sons And daughters. By the way, the women weren't supposed to say anything. Oh, for the good old days. Sorry. Shouldn't have said that. That was not Holy Spirit. It was not even close to being Holy Spirit. But it did make me feel good to say it, but it wasn't God. My wife's view on my opinion is this. If she wants my opinion, she'll give it to me. So I will pour out my spirit, your sons and your daughters. They will prophesy. See? It's now just just not a boys club anymore. This wonderful egalitarian spirit is being poured out, uh, out on all flesh. He says, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. And then he goes on to say, even on the servants. Oh, it's one thing that the daughters of of the family get to speak and get to have an opinion. Isn't that wonderful? But now even the servants who are to be in the background, never to be seen, never to be in any way taken any kind of place, even on the servants, both men and women. The scripture says, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. So not only will you have prophetic words coming from your sons, but prophetic words will come from your daughters, but not only your sons and your daughters, the most unlikely, the most uh, background type people, the people that are never to be, never to be seen, they're like, they're like wall fixtures, they're not to be even noticed, here they are, the Spirit of God is going to fall on them, and they too will prophesy. Poor old Joshua, he got really ticked off with a bunch of people at the time of Moses, because Moses fell in with a group, and when he fell in with this particular group, they be, the Spirit of God, the Scripture says, fell on them. And Moses and Joshua was jealous because 
Moses, together with a whole bunch of other people, began to say prophetic words. And Joshua jumps up and says, my Lord, make them stop. And, and Moses says, what, Joshua, are you, are you jealous for me? And he says, yes, I'm jealous for you. I don't want them to be doing that. I want you to take, be the center of attention. And, and, and Moses says back to Joshua, Joshua, I hope that everybody prophesies. And you know what? You are the answer. And you are the living response to the hope of Moses more than 3,000 years ago. Because you can speak a word from God. You can speak a word from God. Listen to what it says in Acts chapter 4, verse 25. This is, again, Luke speaking. And he's saying in a prayer, you spoke by Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father, David. He's saying what David wrote and what David spoke was actually an episode of Holy Spirit falling on David and him speaking. The apostles and the disciples, they met and prayed after the persecution broke out. So you have Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. You have the wonderful outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But now weeks, if not months, have gone by. And now persecution is breaking out over the, in the church. Two chapters later, but again, covering several weeks, if not months, after they prayed, the scripture says, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, isn't that redundant? Weren't they filled with the Holy Spirit two chapters before? No, 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 friends. Just like our friends. And uh, Yungi Cho says this, the reason why I have to be filled and then refilled and then filled and refilled again is because I leak. I leak. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit every day. I need His touch in my life every day. I need to say every day, one more time, Spirit of God, fall on me. One more time, Spirit of God, would you envelop me? Would you let me jump into the deep end of who you are so I can be immersed in you, Holy Spirit, so I can be baptized in you? And the Scripture says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit that day, and they, what did they do? They spoke the Word of God boldly. They spoke the Word of God boldly. You see, to Luke, he's more than just a historian. He was a theologian. He was making a theological point. The theological point is this. When your Holy Spirit baptized, words come out of your mouth, and they are words of life to others. And some of you are saying, what's this got to do with the price of tea in China? How is this going to help me raise my children? Let me tell you something. We have our youngest girl, uh, um, Julianne. When she was 12 years old, she started to talk to us about India. 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 Now, we were into missions. I had mission schools. I had different, different things. And by the grace of God, we've been in more than 55 countries, and the Lord's helped us. And we've had, you know, so we kind of were a missions family. We talked about missions. I was a missions pastor at one time. And, uh, in fact, I, I preached a missions convention last week in Florida. So we, we've done missions. And she talked about India. And you know, when, when they're 12 and then they become 13, you just wish they would go to another continent. <laughs> I mean, if all children were born at 13 years of age, 
it would be the greatest form of birth control ever invented. <laughs> and so she talked to us about India, 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 India. And so when she was 13 years old, we contacted some friends. I wasn't planning to go to India. I've never been in India yet. I was supposed to go there, but then COVID hit. Um, so I preached the, to the Indian pastors uh, on Zoom. So a few months ago. So we made arrangements for her to go to India. And we have some friends who, when I say kind of, they weren't close friends, but we knew them, and, and they have a crusade evangelism ministry. And uh, so we contacted them. And they said, yeah, we'd be happy to have your daughter. She could come along, help us with our children, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, so we sent her to India. She wasn't a part of a team. You know, she just went to India. Now, many people said to us, you know what? You sent your daughter to India alone? Of course we didn't send her alone. There was a pilot on the plane. There was flight attendants. There was like hundreds of other people. She wasn't alone. Hello. What do you think we are? So anyway, she gets there. And... She's traveling with this family, and they're staying in this hotel, this large hotel, and she's on uh, the ground floor in the lobby doing her devotions. She's 13 years old. She's Holy Spirit baptized, and she's finished her devotions, and she goes to the elevator to go up, and there's a man in the elevator. He's standing in front of the buttons. He says to her, what floor would you like to get off? She said, We'd like, I'd like to get off on floor number five. Now, my daughter is not like me. She is not tall. She, even today as a 30-some-year-old woman, she's only 4 foot 11. We can imagine how tall she was when she was 13. And when she gave me hassles when she was a teenager, I would just say, listen, you better smarten up, because you're only two inches above needing to be in a car seat. <laughs> now, threaten to put your teenager in a car seat. Discussion's over. You need any parenting tips, just let me know, because I'm here for you, okay? <laughs> and so she is a very, very small person. She probably at that time was four foot four. Maybe. And this man said, what floor would you like to get off? And she, and she said, I'd like to get off on floor number five. And he said, no, you'll get off on floor number nine with me. And she didn't know. You know she wasn't cluing in at all. And he said, no, no. She said, no, no, I, I need to get off on floor number five. And he said, no, no, you'll get off on floor number nine with me. And she said, no, no, I, if you don't, you know, I'd like to get off on floor number five. And then, it, then she clued in, and he said, no, you'll get off on floor number nine with me. And she start, it started to click what was happening. She never expected anything like that. My little daughter, four foot four, stuck her finger in that man's face and said, in the name of Jesus, I command you to let me off on floor number five. He stepped away from those buttons and he pressed floor number five. And my young daughter got off on floor number five unmolested. Why? Because she's Holy Spirit filled. Words come out of her mouth that bespoke of power. The power and the authority that only God can give. This is practical. This is where we live. This is where we live. 
Somebody saying, what's this got to do with me? What's this got to do with raising my kids? Get your kids spirit-filled. They'll be able to discern that which is right and that which is wrong. They'll be able to speak the powers of darkness. They'll be able to come against those things that are coming against them. They live in a wicked and depraved generation. Instead of sitting around and bemoaning and whining about the wicked and depraved generation, say to your children, for such a time as this that God has brought you into this world, and you'll rise up, young man. You'll rise up, young woman. The Spirit of God will fall on you. Words will come out of your mouth that will speak of the goodness, the glory, and the greatness of our God. And as you do, Jesus will be brought glory. Others will hear it, and they will know that the God you serve is the God who is indeed God. Amen. Amen. And so you say, how can this be practical? Luke's theology was not unique, but it was permeable. That is to say, it permeated all of the believers. And yet in the Old Testament, we find there's this individual by the name of Saul. And Saul didn't end so well, but he started out well. And at the very beginning of his kingly reign, it says in 1 Samuel chapter 10, um, verse 6, it says, The Spirit of the Lord, this is Samuel speaking to Saul. Samuel speaking to Saul. The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, Saul, and you, Saul, will prophesy with them, and you will be changed into a different person. Once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hand finds to do, for God is with you. What's interesting is uh, people who are filled with the Holy Spirit turn into a different person. I do not want to be judged by my worst days. I do not want to be judged by all the things I've done wrong. We don't have time for me to tell you about all my mistakes. It's much easier for me to tell you about my victories, okay, because they're they're far fewer than my mistakes. And, And so I say to you, it's time for us to realize that while we may have some stuff and we each one may have some baggage and we we may have some stuff for which we wish we didn't, we didn't represent in our past. I'm here to tell you that when Spirit of God comes upon you, you are changed into a different person. It's not unlike my wife going to that, that doctor that day, sitting in the chair crying, seeing somebody else, goes over and ministers to that other person, comes back and sits down. Listen, she was changed momentarily into a different person as she ministered to that other person. The kid with the emo screamo band, he gets up and he ministers. He's changed. Listen, when he, when he came home, we still had to deal with a teenager. Listen, that's just the way life is. Having said that, I'd rather have those times when the Spirit of God comes upon me. I'm changed into a different person. And at that time, I'm able to do things I otherwise would not be able to do and say things I otherwise would not be able to say. Why? Because the Spirit of God is with me. And here's what happens. As Saul turned to leave Samuel, God changed Saul's heart And all these signs were fulfilled that day. When he and his servant arrived at Gebeth, a procession of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God came powerfully upon Saul, and he joined in the prophesying. And when all those who'd formerly known him saw him prophesying with the prophets, they asked each other, what is this that has happened to the son of Kish, that is Saul? Is Saul among the prophets? Listen to me, friends. When the Spirit of God comes upon you and you begin to minister to others, you'll look at yourself. Others will look at you and go, could it really be them? There must be somebody else. It must be an imposter. It can't be them. They don't behave this way. But it is you, and it is the Spirit of God enveloping you, baptizing you, pouring himself out on you. And as you do, words come out of your mouth, and they create life, and they create encouragement, and they grant forgiveness, and they 
and they bring a situation into godly and divine order. Why? Because the Spirit of God is on you. This is not some ethereal kind of, you know, kind of out there message. This is not some sort of esoteric uh, theological per- perspective. This is the most practical thing I can tell you today. Let the Spirit of God come upon you and let the words of your mouth and the meditations of your heart be acceptable to the God Almighty. Listen to me, friends. All week long, sometimes things come out of my mouth that are not a representation of the goodness, the greatness, and the glory of my God. Rather, they're a representation of my own sinful nature. But when the Spirit of God comes upon me, He gives me a grace that I've never had before. And words come out that bless and don't curse. Sorry if I raised my voice. I was speaking to a group of eye surgeons years ago. And the leader of the group, the Christian Ophthalmology Society, it was in Vancouver, British Columbia, and he invited me to come and speak. And he said, but don't yell at the doctors. They don't like to be yelled. Sorry, doctors. You're going to be made into a different person. You won't recognize yourself. And it won't be about you anyway. You don't get a parking place at the church that says, Prophet John. Or to put it in the parlance of this area, Prophet Bubba. (laughs) You won't get a parking place. People aren't going to just, you know, part, oh, here comes Prophet Bubba. They're not going to do that. You'll just be one of the guys. Because we're all filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of God will come upon you. And you cannot believe how much the world needs this. You have neighbors that need to hear a word from God. I've been on planes where I've walked down the aisle of the plane. You know how you're just walking, you know, you're struggling, bumping into people. And, you know, I, I pay for tickets that grants me a spot in the restroom, basically. I mean, you know, it's just awful. And, 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 but there have been times when I've been on the plane where the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, there's someone that needs a word right there. I've been in the street. And you say, well, that's because you're a preacher. No, it's going to do with me being a preacher. I know me. If I was God, I wouldn't bless me. If I was God, I wouldn't pour himself out on me. I'm not, I'm not trying to be humble. I don't need to try. I don't, I, I just, I'm not trying to you know, put on some humility. Listen to me, friends. We're all in this together. I was in Spain uh, about four weeks ago, and I was coming down this stairwell. We just had lunch, and uh, I was with some others, and one of my colleagues from America was here, was with me, and then I had uh, one of those interrupters, and... Um, and uh, a couple other people from Spain. And, and we got almost like within about three steps. And there was this little landing to you could walk out in the street level. And the people who had, were ahead of me were talking. They were like, you know, they had gone down the stairs earlier. And they were talking to these two young men on this little landing before we went down the three steps to the ground. And so, but it's a little bit crowded. So when we arrived, it was a little bit crowded. But, you know, just all everybody chatting. And they introduced me to the one gentleman who was on my left. And they introduced me to... Him and I shook his hand, and you know, and again, everything you say had to be through that interpreter guy. And, and then they introduced me to this other young man 
And immediately the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, there's a word. And I just began to look at him. And my eyes caught his eyes. And I said to the interpreter, come, come. And he was so gracious to come over and he, and he, and he, and he puts his hand on me and he puts his hand on me. And I said, the Spirit of God would say to you, young man. And I began to just give him a, a brief word from God. And then I saw the pastor talking to him and the interpreter was interpreting me and the pastor was saying to him, you know, the hair on, the hair on my arm is standing almost straight up. He was going like this, rubbing his arm. He said, this is amazing. God's speaking to you, young man. I did not know it, but the parents of this young man were good friends of the pastor, but their marriage had blown apart. They were both in Argentina. This young man was from Argentina. They were both, the parents were both in Argentina. Their marriage had blown apart. They were in ministry for many, many years, had got involved in all kinds of junk, and, and, and now that, that family is totally blown apart. Their kid was in Europe, and the Spirit of God was saying to him, I have sovereignly put my hand on you, and you are not here by accident. You are here because I'm going to work in your life, etc., etc." God can use you in a stairwell talking to a kid whose parents are broken up from, some, some, from an ocean away. He can use you in your office. He can use you in the school. He can use you in places you never, ever thought. Let me tell you something. He'll use you with people you've never met before, and he'll use you. Listen, you've got, you've got Thanksgiving coming up, and then Christmas and, and when I came to America, it just shocked me about how, how much, like, uh, when you talk about the holidays here in America, you mean, like, from the 15th, which is tomorrow of November, till Super Bowl, well, two or three days after Super Bowl Sunday. I mean, you people know how to party here. It just goes on and on and on. It's one celebration after another. And you're going to end up with people in your house. Some of the people are going to end up in your house or in whose houses you're going to end up. You're going to wish you weren't, and they weren't. You're going to wish you weren't there, and they weren't there if they're at your house. This is why my, parent, this is why my wife and I moved to another country. We don't have this problem. There's only the two of us, and quite often she wishes I wasn't there. But here's the deal. There are going to be people that are going to show up at your events that you're going to have a word for them. God's going to give you something to say that's going to be so powerful. Friends, don't, don't, don't waste your time. Listen to me. Don't waste your time with politics and COVID and mass mandate. Just don't. Don't take the... I was going to say Satan's bait. I, I, I don't know if it's that dramatic, but don't, just don't go there. Talk about the goodness, the greatness, the glory of the God you serve. Why demean ourselves? Why demean our message with, with, a, just a bunch of, with, with just a bunch of stuff? Has any of our whining and complaining about COVID changed any government official yet? I'm trying to be nice about this. My middle daughter was about 16, and we had just moved to this new community. It was in the south, and we, weren't, we, we had lived in Miami, but Miami's not the south. Miami is Latin America. You know, it's just everybody speaks Spanish, a totally different culture. And so we moved to a southern place, 
And we knew we were in a whack job place when one of the kids come up to my kids and said, where did your family buy their hogs? We didn't buy hogs. We don't have any hogs. We ain't getting any hogs. And in the end, we got hogs. <laughs> so my daughter, she has a degree in performing arts. Drama, music, dance. That's what her degree is in. An absolutely useless piece of paper, if there ever was one. Literally, the experience of that degree would literally, when I don't say, I don't mean, I don't mean this figuratively, I mean actually literally, let's say the piece of paper that, upon which they sent her, her, her certificate is worth 10 cents. I don't think the degree is worth 10 cents. But anyway, don't tell her I said that, please. I know it'll, you'll keep it just between us and, and all of our friends on the internet. And she went into the United States military after that, which is bizarre. But she was always involved in music and drama. And so she gets invited to, or she actually invites herself to go over and audition in the community theater. Well, we don't know anybody in this community. This is, we're new there. We're trying to figure out where to buy our hogs. I mean, we didn't know. And, and so my wife takes her. And they do, you know, 30 or 40 people there, hey, how are you, what's your name, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so what do you do? Well, I sing, and I do, you know, I do some drama and all that. And they're trying to figure out what, what her place was in this, in this Broadway production they were going to put on. And so the lady says, so what do you play? She says, I play piano. Well, oh, you play piano? Well, sit down and, and play us something. And I think the lady probably expected my daughter to play, you know, ragtime or, you know, something from one of the musicals or something, you know, Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. I don't know what she expected. But my Holy Spirit-filled teenage daughter began to play, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of our God. And he came, and she's singing it as she's playing it. He came and he healed me. He came and he touched me. He came. And he washed my sins away. And as she's playing that, my wife said, the Spirit of God descended upon that room. And silence broke out everywhere. Because Holy Spirit people speak. And heaven uses them. And they're changed. She was still a teenage girl. She was still just who she was. But for that moment, God came into a community theater audition and reveals himself. Brent Bond, and probably this will be my last story and you'll get home before supper. Brent Bond was a kid in one of my teams and our traveling teams and we were in a, in a nation in the Caribbean somewhere. I think it was on Antigua. And the rule back then was you had to have a sermon ready at all times. And you had to have your testimony ready. And you could be called upon at any time to preach or to give a testimony. No notice, not, none whatsoever. You weren't told tonight you're going to preach or tomorrow night you're going to preach. The idea was they had to be ready for every service. Even though they all weren't going to preach. They all weren't going to teach. That was just the rule. And so they all knew that. And they all, you know, were all, you know, they had, they had this stuff ready for months, etc. In our preparation. 
And they would never know until the person who was leading the service would say, and now John is going to come and preach. That was the first John heard about it. So you had to be ready. So one night I was leading the service, and we had this young man with us who was a, a kind of an introverted, quiet young man. He kind of carried his head a little bit down like that. He wasn't a, a, you know, he wasn't a, a nerd or anything, but he was just very quiet and kind of carried his head down, and, and all of his jokes were list, like little side jokes and little just he, everything he does was quiet. And he was really, and his name was Brent Bond. We called him Bond, Brent Bond. He went and got his hair cut really, really short. We started calling him Bond, Bald Brent Bond. And so I'm leading the service, and I said, and now Brent Bond is coming to preach. That's the first Brent Bond heard about it. He comes up, this quiet, shy guy, he takes the microphone, and he just begins to preach up a storm. And the whole team and everybody, you know, the audience doesn't know that he's a shy guy, but the, whole, the rest of us are going, wow, what is it? You know, what's going on with bald Brent Bond? And he's just preaching up a storm. He's calling people to repentance. He's asking them to, to give their life. To, I mean, he is preaching up a storm. When he's done, people respond. So we always had a meeting afterward, and so everybody's, you know, we're talking about what went right, what went wrong. And so we came to the preaching part, and we're going, everybody's going, hey. It's not bald Brent Bond, it's bold bald Brent Bond. What's going on? And he's just, he just said it quietly. He said, I knew tonight was my night. I knew it. And our prayer times were usually about an hour long before the services. He said, and I got along with God, and I said, God, tonight's my night. I know it is. I know that dirty job he's going to call on me. I know he is. He said, I can't do it. You've got to come. You've got to help me. I, I, I know tonight's the night. And I probably at that point, I didn't know who was going to preach. But he felt like that was going to be his night. And he started to seek God. And he's saying, Jesus, you've got to help me. Pour out your spirit upon me. Would you one more time just touch me? He'd never been Holy Spirit baptized until that moment. And the presence of Jesus came down on him. And he began to speak in tongues. And he began to pray in the spirit. And he began to call out to God. And he was enveloped in Jesus. And he had an experience in God. And he became a different person than he ever was before. And he gets up in that service. And he preaches with power. And he preaches with authority. Why? Because Holy Spirit people have words coming out of their mouth. And it makes them into somebody. We never thought they could ever be. It's happened to me. It can happen to you. You've got a word for somebody. I've got 14 stories here I could tell you. I've told you about six. I'm not going to tell you the rest. But I am going to tell you, what we're going to do in a minute is we're going to stand. We're going to do two more things in our service today. Right down the middle, and some of you in the middle have to decide what side you're on. You've been told that before, I know. What side you're on. But you, this side is going to turn and look at this side. This side is going to turn and look at that side. And God's going to use us to speak over each other. We're going to start practicing this today. Because what's going to happen in the next 24 hours, listen to me, you're going to encounter somebody online, you're going to encounter somebody in your workplace, you're going to encounter a relative, you're going to have somebody in your home, you're going to have a neighbor, you're going to have somebody you haven't even thought about in six months and you give them a call, but the Spirit of God is going to put words in your mouth for somebody else. 
You have a word. It is from God. It is for God and is to others. And you will be a conduit of the touch of heaven in their life. So we're going to start by just practicing one with another. We're also going to pray for my friend who was with our teams literally probably a dozen times in his teenage years. His name is Larry Tran. You don't know Larry Tran, but you've actually been exposed to him because he plays on a lot of the major gospel albums with a lot of major singers. Some of you have heard of Seacoast Church in South Carolina, or is it North Carolina? I can't remember which one it is, but Seacoast Church is a big church. He is on the staff of that church, and he's a musician that plays with a lot of world renown. He's not a singer, and so people don't know his name. But he got COVID at the end of July, and even today on November the 14th, he is in intensive care still after all these months, 35 years old. I'm asking God to set him free. They had a prayer meeting for him some time ago. 12,000 people showed up online. He's very, very well known in the music industry, in Christian music industry. But I assured his mother, they are Asian by descent, and, and uh, I assured his mother that we would be praying for him, that God would pour out his spirit upon Larry today. And we're going to do that at the end of our time together. But this is what happened. A Holy Spirit-filled and refilled people will have the opportunity to speak life, encouragement, forgiveness, healing, direction, and a sense of the divine into others as He, Holy Spirit, enables them. That's what will happen. So I say, Holy Spirit, one more time, would you fill me? One more time. Is there anybody here who would join me? One more time. Is there anybody in this house would say, I need that. I want to be a conduit of the word of God to others. Holy Spirit, one more time. All over this room, Holy Spirit, one more time. Put your hands in the receiving position. One more time, Holy Spirit, would you baptize us? Father, in the name of Jesus, I say to you, young men, in the great, uh, with your hands raised, sitting by the lovely young lady, in the name of Jesus, the Spirit of God would speak to you today and say, he's asking you to step up. He's asking you, young man, to step up. He's asking you to see things you cannot now see because he's going to open your eyes to that which you have not, that's not been apparent. There's more to come for you, sir. There's more to come. The Spirit of God would say to you, sir, there's more to come. And even as it relates to your family, the Spirit of God is going to open up doors where you're going to be a mouthpiece for, the, for him to speak. Would you receive that mantle of, of, of the touch of heaven on your life today in Jesus' name? And so, in the name of Jesus right now, just begin to call out to God, Holy Spirit, come one more time, fill me one more time with this new assignment that he's given me. One more time, Holy Spirit, fill me. And here's what happened. The Lord said to Moses, listen to this, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you're to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you, the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you, the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. And 
And so they will put my name on the Israelites, and I will bless them. Listen to what Revelation chapter 19 and verse 20 says. For it is a spirit of prophecy that bears testimony to Jesus. It's the spirit of prophecy that bears testimony to Jesus. You want Jesus exalted? How many want Jesus exalted? It's the spirit of prophecy that will come upon you that will exalt Jesus. This is not about me looking good. It's about Jesus looking good. That the God of the universe would find a kid in a stairwell in a, in a city in Spain who's far away from God. That the God of the universe would speak to my wife. That the God of the universe would stop an emo screamo band and prophesy to a kid and change his life. Listen to me. The God of the universe would speak through my 13-year-old and she'd be able to rise up and say, in the name of Jesus, I command you. It's the God of the universe. It's Jesus who looks good. The spirit of prophecy bears witness and bears testimony to Jesus.